0: leonard cohen suggested there is a crack in everything that's how the light gets in this viral crack gives us a chance to create something new and better so let's talk about back to different and let the light in i am i am here uh semi-live looking at the face of a friend of mine whom i've known for a fairly long time greg balistrero we are we are about 1400 miles apart and about 18 inches apart virtually so we're gonna have a few minutes a few 10 minutes to talk about the stuff that we usually talk about here so i want to start by asking you greg just to kind of bring us up to date like what's your story how did you get to this point in your in your life?
1: Well, uh, first of all, thanks for uh, asking me to be on your podcast and for being a close friend. And uh, I'm delighted to be here and talk to you about uh, anything you'd like to talk about. As far as my story, it's uh, an interesting ride, as they say. I've been on an interesting ride, and uh, my life's filled with gratitude right now. Um, I am the first generation American from Italian immigrants, and um, I have come to respect and honor and cherish the courage of those two people that came over from Italy right at the end of World War I. You know, a mom that uh, came over four months after the end of World War I and then was afflicted with uh, influenza and was quarantined at Ellis Island. And they were both um, union folks. Uh, she was a seamstress and my dad was a musician and he was a union musician and he played in New York. And when I was born, funny, uh, she had had the influenza when she was a child and I ended up with pneumonia at age three. And the difference was that uh, penicillin was just available commercially. And uh, we nipped it in the bud quite quickly. But uh, my parents were just uh, salt of the earth folks. And, and I, was, I was raised in a, um, a family of Italians that came over as a group. It was almost the village came over. And when they say it takes a village to raise somebody, that's what it took. But uh, when I was eight years old, we had to make a move to Miami, Florida from New York which was interesting because I hadn't taken geography yet in the second grade and I wasn't real sure there was New York and then there was everything else. And uh, so I was kind of shocked that we went to a place that had palm trees and had a city that was right by the water. And that's where I dug in and was educated and uh, eventually became educated as an engineer and then started working in environmental issues, um, and uh, mostly uh, in uh, energy conservation in the 70s and early 80s, and moved into nonprofits, and uh, dedicated most of my career to nonprofits and what I was doing, and um, that kind of world drew me to the metropolitan Washington, D.C. area, and um, it also drew me to water, which was the Chesapeake Bay and to sailing. And my wife and I, um, grabbed hold of uh, our first little sailboat, which was a great sailboat uh, for the Bay. It was a, it was a, uh, really swift boat and we loved it. And we got our legs wet by uh, sailing on that. And then eventually when I retired, we, um, sold that boat and bought a nice little big blue water boat and headed south and lived on it for a while and eventually uh, dropped anchor here in uh, Southwest Florida and decided it was time to find shelter under the storm, <laughs> out of the storm, but by being on land. And that's how we ended up right here in Southwest Florida. So I, I will say that one of my uh, characteristics of my career was that I traveled a lot and I loved it. Uh, Some of it was difficult. I lived in 35 different homes over my career. Some of it was magnificent. And the last 10 years or so of my career, I visited 65 countries and I got to witness firsthand um, the journeys that many first, second, and third world companies were, countries were going through. And it helped shape and, and solidify my position on the world as I see it and led me to getting back into the environmental area and writing and teaching in that area. So without that travel and without the the ability to go see people all over the world, uh, I would not have had the the kind of fixed view of the world that I have now and it's, has brought me to a place where I am today. So that's kind of how I got here from that little guy that caught pneumonia in 1949 to where I am today, which is an old guy that's retired and and still pushing the the message of protecting the planet.
0: Well, a couple of things. I'm a big fan of travel. And I don't just mean travel physically, but travel emotionally and spiritually. Um, In my work, I have run into people who were our age, which is the best and most dignified age um and they'd never been more than 50 miles from home and one of the things about traveling widely is that we we get to um find what my brother calls soft walls mm. because it doesn't take too long to realize that though we may have very different customs. You know there are there are places in the world where shaking your head back and forth side to side does not mean no, for instance, and yeah. you know finding these things out I think has has helped me be more sort of available to to curiosity, and I think when we're curious we can't be angry, and it's also opened me to the possibilities that um, what I think I can handle is always not as much as I can. But we don't find that out if, if we don't explore and search. Now, um, I know that sustainability and the environment are both real critical for you. I'm a lifelong sailor, so those things are, are very close to my heart too. So from a, from a sustainability, renewability, environmental perspective, because i've seen the impact of covid on us and how that has infected infected affected excuse me dr freud that has affected the environment of this part of the chesapeake bay i see it in the water i see it in the trees i see it in the wildlife i mean very very quickly i've seen a change so what do you see or foresee or guess might be some of the impacts environmentally of the pandemic which we need to pay attention
1: to? Well, there's a great question. And I love the description soft walls because I think the issue, those walls in your, um, the paradigm that you end up with in your head over a period of time becomes more and more rigid the more you see, you look for things that reinforce the rigidity. And uh, I think taking me out of that through travel, whether it was work or a play, made me realize that, number one, we um, we are in a small spaceship traveling through space. We're not a, a planet. And people are saying, oh, the world's so small. It's always been small. The world has been tiny. And we just caught up. Uh, but it's paradigms. It's like the word that that when people say, when did Columbus discover America? Well, no offense, but Columbus never discovered America. What he did was, Oh, it's not India. And he ran into several million native Americans that were there. So, um, we are in a planet and that planet is a spaceship and, uh, it's fragile environment and we have to take care of it. Um, The second thing is that this issue of divisiveness uh, because divisiveness is we're finding more and more reasons to separate ourselves rather than more and more reasons to bring ourselves together. And um, how we recover from the pandemic is going to be, how do we provide for the recovery? When I think of the recovery, I think of uh, vaccines. How do we get the vaccines out as quickly as possible to all people? not just to the select few and keep narrow and hold it back. Um, I think the, and I'll be honest with you, I think that the pandemic has shown us that, I think they said that uh, in emissions in the United States went down 30% um, by shutting down. The bad news was that 70% of the emissions weren't affected. They just continued. And we, we continued to produce emissions. And because of all the diver- diversions that are going on in the world, uh, the issue of climate change has now been pushed and pushed and pushed back. And it was the prominent issue going on back in, in February. It was the prominent issue. And COVID has it is absolutely put up a barrier to that. And now we have political issues that are carrying us through in California and we're not we're finding it harder and harder to stop and say what's really going on so I think um, I think for the for the most part I think we need to start up our engines and say look we have got to address this Google and Amazon are, are making phenomenal uh, uh, attempts at reducing emissions California just said by 2035 they're banning uh, internal combustion engines on the highway for new car sales, and I, you know there they have to be dramatic changes. Uh, we can't let uh, look at this and say, "See, all we have to do is X, and it will get better." Well, it ain't going to get better unless we really crank up the engines and do a Manhattan Project approach to 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 changing things. So that's divisiveness and Manhattan Project approach, and I, I think we'll. We'll make some progress. Is it
0: is it, um, is it is it plausible to you? Because I've seen changes on the small scale. I've seen changes where I live. Mm-hmm. I've seen people who are eager to talk to each other, I'm mm-hmm. eager to find a sense of community, mm-hmm. I'm eager to share stories of their dogs and their kids and all the kinds of things that make us a community and is it is it plausible that that shift in framework in in um how we how we connect with each other because your 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 family is from Italy right. which is which is much more of a communal culture than the United States which is a very individualistic culture family is, is critical for people of Italian descent. And, and I'm, I'm painting with a very broad broad brush. So is it, is it possible to you that, uh, given the right sort of circumstances, is that people in this country could become more community-minded? And if you're community-minded, it gives us a much better starting place for dealing with the environment than if you're just individualistically-minded.
1: You know, I um, I started working um, through when uh, the last presidential election was finally put to bed. Um, I started working with a group on an, on an initiative called the Commons Initiative, right. where um, they would try to um, look at divisiveness as a barrier to success. How do we break down the, the divisiveness and build a sense of commons. That is the common that we own. So, the the most uh, idyllic understanding of that is the Boston Commons, where people used to bring their cattle in to graze and then sell the milk uh, there. Right. That was a common area. And when we think of the Commons, uh, Chesapeake Bay, for all the communities living around the Chesapeake Bay, that's the commons. What can we do together to s- solve it? Um, I think on, on a local basis, it, it's real. I, the challenges I've watched even the, the commons initiative expand to becoming a, um, a, 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 a focused uh, response place to post things and to dialogue that is way on on one side of the aisle so to speak uh, I won't say which style but um, it, hit, it, it disappointed me because I don't want to fight I, I don't want to take stands i didn't you know I didn't sign up for taking stands i st- i stood up for taking shots so we can say okay let's stop what do, what do we what do we have in common and what's critically at stake in our commons area and i think we need to keep working on that we have to We have to leverage whatever we can that came out of um, the the recent six months that's positive and leverage that into breaking down divisiveness. Unfortunately, the debate that happened um, on TV showed that we were not ready for that. The debate that happened on TV showed that we're ready to fight and here we are, we have the largest government budget in the world, supposedly the largest free democracy in the world, and we're fighting like cats and dogs. And it's um, it's not getting any better, and we've got to stop that. So maybe if I would say anything, we stop it at the local level and start a bottoms up approach to to build a, a more communal atmosphere. So I think I the, don't uh, go. No, I said, I, I, I sometimes I hear myself talk and I don't want to sound like I'm uh, not optimistic. I'm hopeful. I really am. But I'm, I'm, I am i don't want to be uh, foolish in the way that I look at things. I have to be skeptical. Cynics have no place in the world. I think a cynic should just go somewhere and be quiet and stare in the mirror and, and be cynic about the way they look the way they dress about everybody right. else but uh skeptics keep us honest yeah and they just need to be converted and i i think we have to take that approach the skeptic is not a bad thing how can we work together uh, and how can we deal with one another with respect you know i often tell you and and others that i love them because uh, I believe in a different type of life force that bonds us together, even though they may be crazy in the head when it comes to the government, but what is it that we are standing here? We're 18 inches apart. This, this uh, internet is a commons, and it gives us freedom that we wouldn't likely have, and we need to protect that together, regardless of what we think of each, each other in certain ways. So. That's what I meant by that. So I'm hopeful. I'm not uh, cynical.
0: I'm a recovering English teacher. So um, <laughs> w- words are words are like jewels to me. I love language. And skepticism and cynicism are the opposite. Yeah. Th- they do not have anything in common. And, right. you know, what you're saying is, is when I took my last road trip, which was March... 14th and came back from that this hit the fan and at the same time i started to see on the internet because i started to um to try to market my ideas more broadly and i started to see a shift in posts on the internet from purely um from purely selling product Mm -hmm. to reaching out to build a community of understanding. Right. Now I did not do a statistical analysis, but it was very clear to me. And so I started to show up on five different groups on internet every day and just connect. And what I discovered was that there was this hunger for, talking about ideas mm. and talking about ideas from a sort of discovery and exploratory perspective not from a um, conflict and debate perspective but to but to uh, seek new places to go with our thinking mm-hmm. and <clears throat> excuse me um, what if, The default setting for human beings is to be connected and to be loving. What if that's our default setting? It seems to me that if we start with that as an idea, then part of what we can do now during this very intense thing is we can get some of the crap out of the way that prevents that. So that maybe we don't have to make it happen, but we can get rid of the stuff that prevents it happening as part of part of what what we do now and i don't think i'm being you know we are the world kumbaya kumbaya (laughs) Uh, um, i think i'm being practical about it i think i'm being practical about it because i'm a very practical person so i don't see you know the other thing that uh, comes into my mind is the idea of an extinction curve uh, if you're familiar with psychology which sure. I know you are if if you're trying to get somebody to change a behavior prior to changing it it always gets worse worse mm. first right that's the extinct that's part of the extinction curve so what if this is part of an extinction curve for hatred bigotry um, lack of acceptance selfishness greed all those things that 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 pull us down the the sort of um spiritual food chain, as it were.
1: Oh, I, um, in fact, I was just having a, a chat with someone that was involved with the Commons Initiative and she felt that she was sensing a change, just as you were. And, you know, I said, I'm also, I'm sensing a revolution. And she said, "I hope you're wrong." And I said, "I hope I'm wrong too." And and I'm actually hopeful that uh, the sensors we're putting out there is is right. That we're starting to break down the barriers of of um, divisiveness that that sets us apart. You know, I, I, an expression I heard recently, which I love, is um, and goes back to the Seven Habits of uh, Right successful people which is Covey used to say look at the other person you're about to talk to and assume that they've got something that you in their mind to tell you that you absolutely need to get by in life and start from that premise and if you can get to that place like you were saying uh think of what that would do i mean even if they tell you something you go whoa i not so cool or whatever but at least start the the conversation that way instead of the old expression where before the person finishes saying it you're already compiling an answer so what is it that we you know the question is what do we have what is the common that we need to protect and what does each of us bring to the party then we can get somewhere i think so make me more hopeful
0: I think that I think that that's part of the idea of being curious, Mm -hmm. living, living childlike, not childish, Mm -hmm. but childlike, which is, wow, this is somebody new. As you said, I wonder what we can discover together. You know, I wonder what we can help each other to see that we can see together, but we might not be able to see separately. And I, I don't think that's naive. I think that is absolutely practical, and I think that's absolutely useful. And maybe this this huge derecho that is worldwide is going to shake things up enough that it's going to blow away, you know, like uh, right after a hurricane. That's when the sky is cleanest and clearest, right? Yeah, yep. Yep. You know, that's when when everything sparkles again, um, including the things that, that fell down. <laughs> um, so maybe this is part of that, and I don't think that that is an irrational possibility. So I have two two questions to ask you, my friend. One is, if there is sort of sort of a kernel that you picked up in this time. That, that might help people who listen to the podcast go, oh, I hadn't thought of that perspective. To, to like help give us all a sort of way forward. And it does not have to be platonic or Ben Franklin-esque or, or, or Einsteinian. You know, it can be like you pick up your fork with your other hand. Um, then the second thing is sometime in the future when you are no longer there to bother your children either because you've moved to another universe or another place or on and your kids are talking to their kids about pop or dad or whatever they call you and the year 2020 what would you like to say them to say about how you handled this strange year so let's start with the first one what's a what's a kernel you can you can give us
1: Well, um, I think what I I found was that um, I can't wait for somebody. I I can't wait to solve a problem that I see needs to be solved. I have to take the initiative to do it. And what I mean by that, um, I'm in a different fellowship, similar to a fellowship that you're in. And I chose not to be limited by the fact that um, I couldn't go to a face-to-face meeting in person. So five meetings later, I've got it set up five times a week. And um, and I screwed up so many times with uh, Zoom. I couldn't, and people were new. It's the new cable guy resentment right. that everybody had. It was the Zoom resentment. But you know, Dozens and dozens of people were affected by that. And it, I, I just, I didn't care about getting a pat on the back. I was doing it selfishly. And then with that came um, me connecting with people that I love, that I wanted to keep up with. So we set a time once a week for an hour and we'd look at each other uh, to see if they had hair like you do. And, <laughs> uh, so I would say uh, it can't stop us. From humanity, humanity has to continue to act, and um, and that, that I, I just—it's not so much a you know wait till other people do it, but humanity has to act, and sometimes it acts from a selfish position, but if it's trying to benefit a larger group, then then go for it and suffer a little bit along the way and and do it. So. That's what I would say is a uh, it's reminded me that no matter what the barriers are, it still relies on me to take action. I'm not going to wait for others to take action. Um, the second question, what was the second question? Repeat it.
0: Sorry. When you have, when you know... You are not here to bother your kids anymore, but they're talking to their kids. What would you like them to say about how granddad or pop or whatever they would call you dealt with the year 2020?
1: I think uh, the issue of humanity that I I wanted to be in touch with them in whatever way I could, and that I wasn't afraid to uh, indulge with uh, family Zoom calls or whatever it took to keep us all together, that I cared about the humanity and the love of the community the family community that we had and the friendship community. Um, I think I would love that. And, and to be uh, what they say, rule 62, not to take myself too seriously. To be a little childish and goofy from time to time. And no matter how bad things get, there is always somebody surf- suffering in a far better way. The pandemic showed us that it's the ultimate um, non-prejudiced disease. You wanna get everybody in the world sick? Launch a pandemic. And uh, if we want ourselves to get well, then we worry about our neighbors getting well. Uh, and I love the fact about the masks. You don't wear the mask to keep from inhaling um, particles. You wear the mask to protect somebody you're staring at. It's it's one of the most unselfish things you could do uh, for others. So. That's what I would say.
0: Thank you, my friend. Ex- most excellent. So you leave Sunday for Mexico.
1: I do. I do. Oh. Well, uh, it is one one of the rare states in Mexico that is uh, open, uh, so we're going to take advantage of that.
0: Well, we're we're about to go way down to s- southwestern Virginia to uh, celebrate our wedding anniversary, but also to uh, visit Hope's aunt. Uh, who was a very very dear person. So it feels so good to be traveling again. I mean, with yeah. all the, with all the risks involved, um, I have missed that. I've, I have missed traveling. I think more than anything.
1: Well, it's me, me too. I am I'm a road warrior, and yeah. whether it's one town over or one country over, it's just the ability to meet and greet and yeah. and learn. So.
0: Cool. Well, hi to Francis. Um, I love you, brother. I'm so glad that we're both a member of the Kiwanis Club.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love those Kiwanis Club meetings. I right? love
0: those Kiwanis Club meetings, man. Aren't they great? So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, But we have to get together by Zoom so we can meet your lovely wife.
0: Yes. And um, send me some information about the commons. I, I would like to find out more about it. I'll do it. I'll do cool. it. All right. All right. I'm
1: out of here. All right. Take care, brother. Love After you all, my friend. Later on.
0: Thanks for giving us a listen. As we move forward with this situation, with this thing that's us, let's never forget that we are all in this together. No matter what else happens, we're all in this together. Thank you.